Welcome to the Life Giver Marriage Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope for your military or first responder marriage. This is your host, Corey Weathers, and I'm honored to share this journey with you. Last time on the Life Giver Podcast. When I was in clinical practice, I got a lot of questions about my husband isn't leading like I want him to lead. He's not being the spiritual leader of the home. What do I do? So, so many people are focused on her submissiveness to me when I go, but wait a minute, am I submitting to God? Am I submitting and humbling myself in general? There's too much talk about what is a Christian marriage and not about what is it like for two people who are passionately in love with Jesus Christ? That really should be more of the focus. Don't so much go around and looking for the cookie cutter Christian marriage, but look to be a, a devout Christ follower, serving one another in that marriage so that we're both lifting one another up. And I am here to be the love of God in her life. That's why, that's one of the main reasons that I exist on this earth. But she is here to also be the love of God in my life. And if we take that perspective, it changes and it reshapes a lot of our approach. So I, um, another link that I'm going to attach to this episode is another podcast. It's authentic intimacy where they addressed, um, a lot of these scriptures that we're mentioning, um, in a little bit more detail. Um, and, and I'm trying, I'm struggling right now to remember the name of the person that they were interviewing, but it was a woman who did a whole dissertation on gender roles in scripture and, um, looking at the traditions that the Christian tradition tends to attach to it. And I just want to say that one of the things that I got from that episode was she, just to kind of go off of what Matt was just saying, is that so often we do camp out on those particular scriptures and what it says about submissiveness, and we ignore the rest of scripture that is teaching us how to to be brothers and sisters in Christ within the body and the church. And so while Matt is talking about um, the the standard or this the role the standard that we should be aiming for on love and what does it mean to be a, a man and what does it mean to be holy and and all of that that is a high standard mm-hmm. but we also need to be remembering that we are in the body of the church together we are part of the body and so and Paul also talks about how there how the body has many parts right the body has many gifts and so we need to remember that. Um, not every marriage and not every couple is going to look the same in how they are the body and the church to each other, how they are brothers and sisters in Christ with each other. And so one of the things that I encourage other military spouses who are struggling with whether or not you feel like your husband is leading your home or is the spiritual leader of your home is to take a look at are you looking at your spouse with this cookie cutter approach of what your expectations of what you thought Um, the husband's leadership is supposed to look like. Matt was comparing it to what scripture says. Oftentimes we are taking our expectations from what tradition Mm. said that we should be. And so one of the the best things that I ever learned was um, dealing with my own expectations when we first got married. And that, um, at least for our home, realizing we're looking at it from a strengths perspective, from the body of believers, what is each person in our family strong at? And so um, Matt really helped me learn and break out of that cookie cutter mold to realize 
But even the expectations I was putting on myself on what a godly wife is supposed to look like, I got to look at who God created me to be, mm. who God created Matt to be. Because when I uh, when I go to Matt and I go to God with the question of, what, <clears throat> Lord, what kind of leader do, do you want Matt to be? to our family and to our home. Not do what do I think he should mm. be? What does the Lord want Matt to do for our family? What that did for me was um, it stripped away these traditional expectations. And it wasn't so much about do, are we doing devotionals, devotionals every night at six o'clock and that means that you know he's being a spiritual leader. Um, what Matt actually taught me and what God has taught me is that Matt is an excellent leader of our home in a very organic way. We have organic conversations around the table when life happens, and then that breaks open opportunities for us to talk about scripture or have a moment of learning about who God is. And so I'm really challenging you out there to really take a look at what are you asking your husband to be, mm -hmm. and is that who God has created him to be? Yeah, and beware, both of you, on who you're actually putting on the throne in yes. your heart. Um, our hearts are <clears throat> built for eternity. And we're built to worship things. And if you don't think that's true, then um, if you love shoes, go spend, um, I don't know, go spend five, ten minutes on uh, like the Louis Vuitton <clears throat> website and tell me those aren't beautiful shoes and that you don't want them. As soon as you recognize that there's something in your heart that you want and you long for, you, mm -hmm. would, you should recognize that, there's, that we're built to worship things. We're built mm -hmm. to acknowledge things that are wonderful or beautiful or great. Um, I had the biggest problem in our marriage when I or her was on the throne in my heart. If I'm worshiping her and I'm saying, you've got to meet all my needs and you've got to be up here and you've got to be all of this and all of that, because then I'm basically saying, I need a, I need you to be a perfect goddess that I can worship. And I, she'll never be that. She's fantastic, but she'll never be a perfect goddess. I'll never be a perfect God. For, for me to sit there and go, you know what, you really should worship me. I'm absolutely fantastic. I don't know if you know this about me. Um, because if I do that and I act that way, then I'm asking her to sin against God. I'm asking for her to almost, for her to blaspheme. And I'm almost demanding that of her. So if I'm demanding her submission without myself act, following Christ and putting him on the throne in my heart and my life, holy cow, I'm at that point that point I'm competing with God and that's a scary place to be for me. I don't know where you want to be in your life. I do not want to be competing with God because yeah. he will humble me and he will definitely lay me low. I know my sins are ever present in front of me. I know what I can be. I know the, the I've seen the worst of myself and, uh, and I'm, I'm glad for what he's done in my life. And, and I, you know, it says, um, you know, much grace is expected from those people from to whom much grace has been given, uh, something like that. Um, and so then I then have to be graceful to her. Um, but you win your spouse's heart when they feel like you're actually after their heart. Yeah, and I want to get to the um, the other part of this email that's talking about um, setting... How do you set boundaries in a relationship like this? Um, I definitely, so I'm going to speak to this and, and then I'll have you speak to what do cool. you do if your service member is struggling okay. with something coming back from combat or sure. deployment or whatever, because I think that is the piece that I think a lot of people struggle with is how do I continue to, um, how do you know if you're transitioning into a caregiver relationship? Mm -hmm. um, and what does being uh, brothers and sisters in Christ look like even in a caregiver relationship? 
Um, and so that's where the, the element that a lot of people are getting stuck on. Um, and so this scripture actually has been in my mind for like a year or two. It's just been kind of every now and then it just pops back up in my mind because um, so the emails that I get from spouses that are like this, that are talking about, um, okay, so we've dealt with the spiritual roles, right? What does it mean to be a godly woman or godly wife and a godly husband and the whole submissive factor? Um, but it's this idea of, um, and I know that I address this in, in the book, Sacred Spaces. I know that in Sacred Spaces, and I'm not challenging that at all. I know that I truly believe that one of the mm -hmm. things that we need to be able to do better in our marriages is respect that there's two sides to every story, right? Before, um, in my book, before I wrote the book, I was very much kind of getting to a place in my heart where I didn't even realize that there was resentment, mm -hmm. but I really wasn't showing a lot of it because life was getting difficult. And, um, and there were consequences of life and deployment and war or whatever that was making things difficult. And, and it, through the course of writing the book, I realized how important it was to realize that there's recognized that there are two sides of the story and that I had stopped listening to his side of the story and that I needed to start paying attention again to what was going on in his heart and not just saying it's, you know, it's your turn or it's my turn or whatever. And so I know that at the end of the book, I talked about how you need to embrace the difficulty uh, that life brings. We can't ignore it. We can't expect marriage to be difficult or perfect. Um, it is difficult at times. And that I know I'm encouraging you to have this selfless act of service, of being intentional, of serving your spouse, pursue your spouse and um, move towards them instead of moving away from them. And so I get a lot of these questions that are asking, well, what if, how long do I have to do that before mm. my spouse is going to come my direction? For me to love like Christ, does that mean I just keep giving where she says, um, I'm receiving very little in return here. Do I, am I supposed to just accept that I'm in a caregiving relationship? And if I keep doing this, will that win my husband over? And so the scripture keeps coming up um, that I think is on a lot of people's hearts of what does it actually mean? In other translations, it talks about the um, wife can be the salvation of her husband, mm -hmm. I believe. And so this one says, wives, again, here's the submissive word again. Wives, in the some way, be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by, without words by the behavior of the wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. And then it gets into your beauty should not come from outward adornment, um, but, he's, but instead it should be that your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight, for this is the way the holy women of the past put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear." Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. I'll let you get to that in a minute. Um, but what I want to say is this whole idea of can you win your spouse over with your behavior? Um, I, I believe that... Like Matt said, I you do use the phrase a lot, keep your side of the street clean. And what I mean by that is our higher our high calling is to also love the way that Matt just read scripture about love is to aim for that high level of behavioral love. Love is a behavior. And yes, I do believe that as wives there is something um that we have more influence as women. Um 
when we have a gentle spirit, does that mean that I can't set boundaries and be very firm in what scripture says is true and what is right and moral? You can have a quiet spirit and be very at peace in your spirit of what is right morally and still be very firm in setting healthy boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so do you, do I believe that wives can win over their husbands with behavior? Um, I believe we have great influence and that God has the ability to um, also have influence in your spouse's heart, but we definitely don't have control of it. And there's a difference um, in what God is challenging us to do in the scripture. What Paul is saying is for us to remember that our beauty and our influence comes from having a gentle spirit. I always say to my boys all the time, you don't want to see me lose my temper and go and get really angry because I think as a woman, we just look crazy and insane. I don't Mm -hmm. think that it's actually effective. And I mean, we're human. It's going to happen. But I find that we have more influence when we have a gentle spirit that is at peace within ourselves. And that also, and being at peace means that I am centering it on something that if I'm going to the word and I'm asking the Lord and looking for direction in scripture, and by the way, if you're looking for direction, the easiest way I can tell you is go to scripture, number one. If scripture doesn't answer it, we need to kind of get the general things that scripture is telling us to do and how to behave like Christ and love like Christ. But then we also need to ask ourselves, what's morally the right thing to do? What's right and wrong, black and white? We also need to look at our gut feelings and what... When, when my spouse is neglecting me and there's no affection, there's no conversation, there's no processing for the relationship to get better, my gut says that my heart is hurt. There's something not right in this. And so there's something that I feel like I need to have those tough conversations. But keeping my side of the street clean means that I need to, I need to have self-control on how that comes out. If I'm going to my spouse and I'm nagging and I'm yelling and I'm throwing insults and I'm... Um, begging in a way that's destructive, then that is not keeping my side of the street clean and and figuring out how to conversate with love and kindness. We can conversate with love and kindness, but, but it still be firm in setting tough lines and tough boundaries. Mm-hmm. So my first suggestion in situations like this is for you to have those tough conversations. And if you can't do it, one-on-one, then you go to a professional where you have a neutral party that helps you communicate through these tough conversations. But it's basically conversationally turning the lights on, like I said at the beginning of this episode, turning the lights on and exposing what is actually there by saying, by you being unaffectionate and by you not being present in our relationship, it is destroying the relationship. I am feeling like my heart is dying on the inside or I feel like I don't know how to be close to you and it's causing all kinds of feelings and thoughts to enter my mind of I don't know what to do next. It's turning the lights on, but I can communicate that in a way that I'm not sending myself in anger. And sometimes you need to go to a professional to help you find those words and then go home and be able to have those conversations. And if that doesn't work, then you go into marriage counseling where you have help having those conversations. But um, I can pursue my spouse, pursue healing the relationship and restoring the relationship by setting healthy boundaries, by saying um, we can't pretend any longer that this is not a destructive cycle that's going on. I love you. I want to save the relationship. And here are some ways that we can start doing that. So the best way that Corey did that for us when we were living in Kentucky and our marriage was just like dying on the vine at best. Um was she stopped trying to fix me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, she just decided that if I was just going to be a petulant, immature little child um, who was struggling with questions that she wasn't meant to answer. I didn't know where I was going in life. didn't know what I was doing. It felt like a failure as a husband. Wasn't doing great in school or really didn't care about going to school because I was back in grad school and didn't really have a way forward as far as like vocationally. I'd been fired from a job that I really was hoping would pan out that I loved. And, and after that, I was like, well, am I useful to God even? There must be something broken with me. And I struggled with feeling broken as, as, a, as a human, as a man with my vocational question uh, for years. And because of that, I'm, ask, I'm putting her on the throne because let's kick God off because he ain't working for me. Um, and, and saying, you need to meet all my needs and you need to make me feel like, like I'm capable, I'm competent and I can move mountains and all of that. And that was more than you should ever ask from a seasoned wife, much less a newlywed. Can I so, also <clears throat> say that I was also putting high expectations on you yeah. and that cookie cutter, what should a godly husband look like and all mm-hmm. that when he was struggling with all of those questions. So she stopped trying to fix me. And when, a, when somebody tries to change a system, there's only three things that can happen. Uh, the spouse changes with the system. Things get better. The, the spouse kicks and screams like a petulant child to go back to the old system because that's what they're used to. Or the spouse leaves because they've chosen, I don't even want to get with the new system. Yeah, two of those are pretty bad. But you just have to survive through the middle one. Because over time, that person is challenged and says, I, I guess I better get with the system. Very rarely does this other spouse just leave. Yeah. Very rarely. Yeah. And and to be honest with you, if they just decide, well, I just need to leave, then I think you already have your answer and you need to move forward with grieving what you thought your life was going to look like or what you thought your marriage was going to look like and celebrate the fact that at least you know what you know to be true and move forward in that truth um, and to realize that even though we go through difficulty and adversity in life, it gives us an opportunity to take that and to use it in healing in the lives of other people in the future. And that gives it meaning and purpose. Okay. So a couple things, um, for the service member. Okay. That's who I'm talking to right now. Love you. I absolutely love you. Um, even if you're an absolute butthole, I still love you. Um, you, if you've gone through anything in your life, which I know you have, whether or not prior or during your service, um, you deserve to be, you deserve the opportunity to be restored to wholeness. Hear me say that again. You deserve the opportunity. You deserve to give yourself the opportunity to be restored to wholeness. Whether you've served under toxic leadership, whether you've had a moral injury and you've had to do something that has violated your internal morals, whether you've had a spiritual injury and you've been a part of something that has violated your morals or your values, you necessarily weren't the one that did it or was asked to do it, but you were a part of it, or you were a part of an incredible trauma or loss that rocked you to your core and shook the very foundations of everything you thought you knew about God, the world, or humanity. You can be made whole again, and you deserve to give yourself that opportunity. But you can't get that opportunity, and you can't be made whole again until you make yourself vulnerable. Now, I got it. That's a big, scary word. But let me tell you, it's a birthplace of joy and creativity, and you've got to embrace that. And you already have enough things in your kit bag to be able to do that. 
all this stuff that gives you the resilience to do what you do on a daily basis, those are all the same tools that you're going to use to go through and be vulnerable again, to gut it out. There's a great thing that my wife framed for me uh, for my 40th um, birthday. And it's a quote from Rocky Balboa. And it talks about this world is a mean and nasty place and it'll beat you to your knees and keep you there if you let it. But it ain't how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. And if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you've got to be willing to take the hits. And you can't be where you are and blame it on everybody else. And him or her is saying it's because of them. Because, you know, cowards do it and that ain't you. You're better than that. You need to go rely on a professional. If, you're, uh, if your weapon jams and you don't know how to fix it, you're going to take it to the small arms guy. If you don't know how to get back physically fit, you go to the PT guru, the stud that's around you, and you ask, help me get back to where I need to get back to. If you break your arm or your leg, you're going to go to a doctor. If something is broken inside here or inside here, then you got to go somebody that specializes in this or that. And believe me, there's hundreds of us that we know that that's our number one goal and calling in life is to help you get fixed here and here. And it's like that old Coldplay song where it says, I will fix you. That's what I, that's the only reason that I and several hundred others of my brothers and sisters in the spiritual, behavioral, mineral health, mental health, not mineral health, mental health system, that's what we thrive on. That, make, that brings us to life. So give us the opportunity to do that for you. Start trusting somebody to do that for you and don't bring it home and take it out on your family because I know you don't want to. I know you don't want to be the person that you're to be ineffective at home. Your deepest longing is to be a protector and a provider within your house. But the biggest shame comes from when you realize that you have violated that yourself and you've become the perpetrator and you can't face that. You can't face the fact that you have you have broken your promise to protect, that you've broken your promise to provide, and you have yourself. It's like standing on the wall of a castle, hoping that nobody bad gets in, and hearing your family scream behind you, and then realizing you're the perpetrator. You're the bad guy that's doing that because of something that you have lost control over, something that you've given up in your life and said, I'll never get better and I'll never do better. There's a guy out there that is, I can't believe he's doing what he's doing. He's phenomenal. Um, he, he, is, he got out of the military. He's, he's grown a long beard. And him and uh, one of his buddies, they are a part of a huge free veterans clinic in Texas. And, it, and it, uh, I was thinking about him earlier today. I was like, man... I celebrate that you're doing this, that you are out there helping others. And there are a million other veterans that would echo exactly what I'm saying, is that you've got to get the help for yourself. Quit taking it out on yourself. Quit taking that out on your family. Go get the help. Go get made whole. Okay? you got to take care. It's like, it's like first aid buddy aid. You've you got to put your own oxygen mask on first before you put the oxygen mask on in the airplane. So go get the oxygen mask. Second thing I'll say scripturally I love the fact that you brought that up because this is a dance. It's a mutual dance, okay? It says a lot about wives submitting. And then it says a lot about husbands being loving. And if husbands are like, how do I know if I'm loving? Go to 1 Corinthians 13 and make yourself a checklist. 
Am I being patient? Am I being kind? Am I being long-suffering, which means putting up with a lot of stuff? Am I doing all these things? How am I doing? Make an inventory, check the box, am I doing this? And then go to your spouse and go, and this is kind of how I think I'm doing, am I doing right? Is this what it looks like to you for me to be patient? What does it look like for me to be kind in this family? Give me a target so that I can hit it. Because there may be an expectation she has of what it means to be patient that isn't my expectation of what it means to be patient. So we gotta get on the right page about some of these words. If I'm like, you know what, I can be patient for five minutes, and she's like, you should be patient all the time. And I'm, whoa, 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 I can't be patient all the time. I wanna work up to that, but let me start for five minutes and here's why. There's not enough of that conversation happening. I love how it says, husbands love your wives. And it says, it calls them weaker. Here's the thing. There are things she's weaker than me on. There's a whole lot of stuff she's stronger than me on. There is stuff that she is made to do that I absolutely can't do. I can't feel other people's feelings. That's just a fact. I can understand them. I can read indicators of what's going on in front of me, but I can't feel it. She can't. She weighs in and she lets me know that really quickly, really easily. Um, and when we lean on those complementary things, the unification within our marriage absolutely explodes. But we never get to see that if we aren't doing the dance right. Now, if you went and like looked up dance steps for the waltz and you said, okay, well, I'm going to take partner one's dance step for the waltz and I'm going to put partner two's dance step for the cha-cha together and see what I get. You know what you're going to get? A hot mess. <laughs> you got to be on the same page. Okay. And that's a really, and I'm pointing to the Bible over there. That's a really good page to be on. Why? Because it's two people that are submitting to their creator. And when I say the creator, I love calling God the creator simply because um, if my coffee pot's broken, I'm not going to take it back to, you know, Samsung. It's not a Samsung coffee pot. They may be brilliant. They, Samsung does some great things. I'm not going to take it to Apple. Apple doesn't have a coffee pot. I really hope they never get one because then I'm going to be forced to buy it because it's an Apple product. I take it to, what is it? Cuisinart because we have a Cuisinart coffee pot because I'll be like, you made it. You must then know how to fix it. So I take my problems and my things, I take it to the Creator. And I take it to people that know the Creator. And I take it to the same people that have the same mindset as I do about the nature of God and the world and humanity. And I say, does this jive? Does this, is this actually align with truth? One of the ways that when you want to figure out what's the will of God, do a few things. What does Scripture say? What do other godly people that I consider wise in counsel say? And when I say wise in counsel, it's those people that would encourage you towards marriage, not away from marriage. If they're sitting there saying, mm -mm, no, no, um, here are a million reasons why you should put yourself first. That's a big red flag. Unless because, we're talking safety issues. Unless we're talking safety right. issues. That's why we did the caveat yeah. in the beginning. We're talking about other stuff. But people that will go through a checklist with you to say, have you done these things? Uh, there is also, so that, that also means that you're actually in a community that supports your marriage, um, that's actually championing that. Um, so just, those are just a few things. Celebrate your, celebrate your differences on what's weaker and stronger. Make sure that you're on the same dance steps. For the service member, if you're the person that's actually the, having the hard time in the marriage, or if it's the spouse that's having a hard time in the marriage and the service member is going, 
I feel like I am emotionally not being taken care of and I'm doing everything that I know to do and yet my spouse is withdrawn and has put up a huge wall and is only taking care of themselves, and I'm having to work extra hard and I feel emotionally, then, then they got to do the work. Um, I encourage you guys to do the work together. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I will is that say, too much? no, not okay. at all. It's amazing. So, um, what I will say is, um, I love what you said about going to the creator because all of us should be going to the creator to figure out how to handle these situations <clears throat> and why, um, again, we're stressing, um, going to scripture, going to godly people, what's morally right and wrong. What is your gut saying? Also, when you put all of those things together, usually you can find and figure out what's the right answer. And in that godly Going to godly counsel, we're talking about professionals included, right? You go to several different people and see, you know, this is what I'm hearing from God in my prayer time. Here's what I'm hearing from God in scripture. And what do you what do you think? Do you confirm what I'm feeling or am I missing the mark or that sort of thing? And so I love what you said about going to the creator because um, especially in, in this one woman's email, what we're talking about, and this is not just, again, this is not just her, this is a lot of people, is going to the creator and saying, okay, God, how do I handle this situation with my spouse? My spouse is struggling. Um, and in their struggling, I'm sensing that they're sinning against me because they're, they are neglecting the family. They're not doing the things that scripture says that he should be doing or that other godly people are saying that he should be doing. And he's just struggling and detaching. Um, that when you go to the creator, you're, you're not just going to the creator to pray for them because you should be definitely be praying for them, but you're not just going to the creator to say, fix him, right? You're going to the creator and go, Lord, what do you want to do in me? And how then can I have influence as you change me? So, you know, Matt did share half the story of, of in the beginning of our marriage of how I stopped trying to fix him. I stopped trying to fix him only because I went to God and I said, I don't know what to do anymore. It says, it actually says, um, that they may be won over without words. I actually remember praying to God and saying, I don't know what to do. My husband is struggling. He's got all of these questions and he's really struggling in this place of his life. And I don't know what else to say. And I actually remember the, the spirit whispering to me, then stop talking. There's nothing else that I want you to be saying anymore. I had no, I had no words left. So I think it was, it was good confirmation, but it was literally the, the spirit saying, stop trying to fix him. Nothing that I was saying at this point. Now, I am encouraging some of you to have conversation. But some of you have also been saying a lot for a very long time and trying to fix your spouse or nagging them or or arguing or screaming or whatever it is that's not a gentle spirit. That is not an act of love and kindness. And so I remember having no words left. And it was about behavior. But it wasn't about what do I, what kind of behavior should I have so that he changes. I had to go to the creator and say, Lord, what behavior do you just need to change in me because you need to change me? And over time, it helped me learn how to set good boundaries. And a lot of those boundaries with Matt were more about boundaries for myself. It was more about boundaries of not having those expectations and trying to fix him that I needed to fix some things in me. And I will tell you that the other half of this story is that several years down the road, this flipped. And Matt came to me because I had withdrawn myself at some point. I had pulled back and, um, and he had done a lot of work to earn that trust back. And we were finding our dance and you were like really eager to find that dance and really eager to, to get both of us on the right, in the right place again. And he actually flipped the script and came back to me and said, 
Corey, if you don't engage um, in a vulnerable way in this relationship, again, you are now causing destruction in the relationship. I'm doing everything that I can. And now it's your turn. If you don't do the dance with me, this is not going to last. And I can tell you, we've both experienced both sides. It doesn't feel good to have that conversation. But it's very important in order to find the dance and figure out together both sides of the story. And so if there's a good place for us to be able to wrap up, I Mm -hmm. think it's to be able to say there's no cookie cutter way, no black and white way to answer these questions that you guys have on what to do, how to deal with sin in your relationship. And you definitely don't need to rely on just this podcast or what one article says. Um, And that's why I'm going to try to attach as many resources to give you a very balanced perspective on whatever it is that you might be wrestling with in your relationship. Um, However, I think it's really important for us to remember that there's two sides to every story. If your spouse is struggling, then it's very important to to have the right conversations to figure out why is your spouse struggling? What is your spouse struggling with? And can you help your spouse? Mm. Can you support your spouse? Can you love a different way? Can you serve a different way? And some of you might have the opposite where you had to go through what... Um, The other scenario that we said, which is sometimes you just need to take a step back and stop trying to fix so much and figure out how do you have good, healthy boundaries for yourself and figure out how to love and be in gentle spirit, but at the same time have firm, tough love boundaries. So there's no cookie cutter approach to all the variables and unique issues that all of you guys are struggling with. Um, But I think um, we would say today... Um, two sides to every story and at the same time remember that we're brothers and sisters in Christ Mm -hmm. and that brothers and sisters in Christ have to hold each other accountable the body of believers the church is meant to hold each other accountable and there's very good scripture on how to do that to go to one another and say um, this there is something in our relationship that is destructive and if that person's not listening you're supposed to the scripture says you're supposed to go and bring another person into the equation and say This is not getting better. We need help. And if that doesn't work, it talks about going to the church and asking for support. And so um, follow the steps that God has given you in order to figure out what's the next step for your relationship. Yeah. And you have to engage a professional because I have, we both have multiple conversations where somebody goes, I think I've done everything I know how to do. What else should I be doing? And they're, they're basically asking for permission to, to say, I can't do this anymore. I am. I'm done. My heart is done. My head is done. I. I am. I am at my wit's end. And you sit down with a professional to go through the checklist to make sure you have a second set of eyes. Um, whenever it's really hard, whenever the other spouse says, "No, I'm not going to work on it. No, I'm done. I don't need. I don't need to work on anything. I'm. I'm absolutely totally fine." Um, and that's where you have to decide for yourself where you're going to draw your own personal boundaries in your life. And what you need to move on and from, and to understand that um, there are unfortunately humans whose hearts they've allowed to be hardened over repetitive, habitual behaviors over time. I would tell those humans that have allowed their hearts to be hardened over repetitive, habitual behavior over time, you're doing yourself an incredible disservice. You deserve much more better than the lies that you've been buying into. And the best thing you can do is to completely stop, take a sober, honest look without too much pride or too much shame at your own life and make a huge course correction because you will be surprised how quickly you can move in the other direction and on a great trajectory and get wholeness and happiness and healing 
in your life and it will be so much better than the lies you're buying into. That much being said, if you're dealing with somebody that just will not face the truth with the basis of scripture, with the basis of wise counsel from professionals and mentors that you have in your life and with a support network, then you move forward with, with steps towards drawing good, healthy boundaries, whatever that looks like in your life and realize you are not here on earth to make people happy. You are a part of making, helping others to achieve holiness and you're here in order to glorify God through the way that you yourself personally are choosing to live. The way that you love others around you and the way that you take others around you. That's your meaning and purpose in life. And you're going to have different experiences that will give you an opportunity to be able to live that out fully to both testify to other people and to be a living, breathing example when it's both easy and incredibly difficult in adversity. Um, so refocus on that and what your mission is and that marriage is meant to be that opportunity for two people who are vastly different than one another to be able to put aside their differences, be able to complement one another's strengths and weaknesses and work together as a, as a mutual image of the, the unity the tri-unity, the love, the fellowship, and the companionship of God who is so massively awesome that he has to exist in a trinity. And in, in, in that relationship is so dynamic that, that, it, that it is constantly moving and, and shaping and, and breathing life into so many things in the world. Fully understand that he has all capacity in the world to be fully in this moment right now, to be in all moments in history and in the future, because that's what it means to be timeless, to be understanding the heartbeat of every person on the earth, to know every hair on their head. You are not forgotten. You are not left alone. He has not, not heard your prayers whatsoever. He is waiting. He is a chess player, and he is waiting for the exact right moment for all the things on the board to align to make the move that he wants to move and you will see it and you will know it and it will it will humble you in your heart uh, when he finally makes that move so take heart uh, and if you're having a hard time go read psalm 77 a lot because it's a good one thank you so much for joining us for um what i believe is probably going to be a part one and part two sure. of of this episode and it's a really important one though too and so thank you for joining us um, again, we are honored to serve all of you and um, blessed to have the opportunity to speak life into your marriage and into your home. So thanks for joining us. Thanks.